Welcome everyone to this live broadcast of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady and I'm sitting here with Lou Weiss who is up at uh, Cape Cod. So he's enjoying the weather up there as he gets set for our live broadcast. He's the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio. So he gets to run off and enjoy a luxury location like Cape Cod and the lovely weather out there. Although it could be a bit chilly this time of the year. Who, who goes to Cape Cod in December? I mean, <laughs> the best time to be there is mid-September to the end of October. Yeah, right. So we'll get his... He's uh, muted. Party. He must have got a discounted hotel rate or discounted boat rental rate or something. Here you go. And we've got, as you can see, Tim Fiore from the Institute for Supply Management joining us. We've got his picture and graphic up there as well. Tim, thanks for being with us again for your manufacturing report on business. Yeah, you bet. Interesting month. I mean, uh, 49, we we underperformed. The consensus was 50. Early in the week, it was 50. It came down to 49.8 or something. 49, okay. Is there really a serious difference between 49 and 50.1? I would argue that. So we're in definitely a softening cycle here that started six months ago. And it continues. But as I mentioned last month, I think we're now at the point where we're, we're, we're much closer to normal supply demand dynamics, uh, which means the pandemic is pretty much behind us. We still got issues with China, no doubt, uh, primarily as a customer of ours, not so much as a supplier of ours. We got issue with Europe, when, but that's not really pandemic driven. That's more energy driven because of Eastern Europe. But we're now kind of, it took us a while I think we cleaned out all of our extra ordering, May not, maybe not all of it, but a really good part of it. We got prices coming down second straight month. Steel prices now are at the historical level, which I never thought we'd even get to. Uh, we've got supplier deliveries uh, faster again this month. They've been getting better for the last five months. And uh, the comments support the fact that suppliers are generally no longer the issue anymore, whether it's delivering or whether it's transporting or whether it's them hiring people. So, uh, and we had a slight expansion in production, which is absolutely positive. It means that there was demand there to consume and convert into sales. And, but most of that came from backlog, which uh, that's one of the biggest stories of the month is backlog contracted at 40. So a big, big part of our client, of our panelists were consuming backlog rather than working on currently due orders. And that's a, that's a result of six months of slowing order receipts it seems as though uh from our perspective all metals and forge group uh which we normally trail right along with the ism uh but the last two three months uh, we've been sort of going against the numbers um i don't know if it's just that we have a unique group of uh, uh clients and uh, industries that actually are still cooking with uh, oil, uh, so to speak. Yeah, well, I think so, you've got a pretty strong base in the oil and gas area, and you do in, in the aerospace too, I think, which right. uh, you know, obviously those are still doing well. Both of those industry sectors actually expanded in the month of November. The other four of the big six contracted. So right. transportation equipment expanded, not heavily, but they still expanded. They helped the PMI. And petroleum and coal products, which isn't mining, it's the refining side of it, uh, did acceptably well too. You know, again, not really strong expansion, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, so 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 let's talk about it. So demand, you guys know I talk about demand, it's new orders, it's new export orders, it's backlog, and it's customer inventory. We've already talked about the backlog. We talked about the new orders. New export orders were a little bit better than the prior month, but still contracting. And the indications are that China and Europe is, is still kind of stuck and they're going to be stuck for some period of time. Interesting thing is customer inventories. And we'll we'll talk about the entire supply chain, the greater supply chain later on. But the customer inventories for the first time in, I don't know, call it 30, 40 months, some you know huge number, is about right. And it's always been too low or way too low. And I really like the way too low because it says that, you know, you got to keep building and shipping to your customer because they need it. They need it. Now, when you're about right, it could very well be in the next month or two, it's too high. And when it becomes too high, okay, they may take a little bit of it, but they start shoving back saying, I'm not going to take it. And we haven't had that environment in a long time. And I'm hoping that we won't. I'm hoping that the new order level, the overordering has kind of worked itself out. We got prices that have come down. Lead times on manufacturing material came down about nine to 10% in the month of November, which is good on top of about 9% in the prior three months. So we're down about 20%. I don't know that we're exactly there, but we're closer to where normal lead time should be versus where they had been a year ago. So it's gotta be buyers and sellers gotta be coming back to the table on relatively equal footing saying, okay, how do we fill up the order book for uh, 2023 so that I know what I'm going to work on? I know how many people I need to hire. I know how many people I need to retain. Because there's another story in the month of November, and that is that it was the first indications of significant layoffs in trying to manage headcount. And you know we can talk about that a little bit later, too. So, Tim, you often break this down for us into inputs, outputs, and I wonder if you could kind of walk us through the inputs, and then we'll walk through the outputs and anything we've got to query okay. on, jump in. All right. So let's finish up on the demand side. So demand, we're waiting for demand to come back. Buyers and sellers need to get back to the table. We're, we're probably closer to near normal lead times than we have been in the last couple of years. we got prices coming down for a couple of straight months, especially commodity prices. High value added content is another story. We'll see how long that takes. So we're waiting for demand to come back. In the meantime, companies are consuming their backlog, which that's what it's there for. But you know, you don't want to do that for long term. We all agree on that. So on the input side, I think I mentioned earlier, suppliers are delivering faster, prices are coming down. Inventory, actually, manufacturing inventory came in pretty low at about a 51. I mean, I would have expected it to be 53, 54. It should be a contributor to the PMI. It really wasn't much of a contributor. It actually, I think it came down from the prior month. So you know, the good thing is, is that with all the supply chain inventory because of overordering, our panelist companies didn't end up taking a whole ton of material that they really couldn't convert into sales. And, and that's actually a good thing because it means that the panelist companies are going to be liquid. They're not stuck, stuck with a bunch of stuff that they can't use. All positive. The, the import side has been weak, but I think that's really a function of there's a lot of stuff on ground in country that is still being consumed by panelist companies, they don't really need a whole bunch of stuff coming in from overseas right now. All right, so so get, that gets us to the output consumption side. Production came up, uh, it was better this month by about 1.2 points than uh, the prior month, which is good. Like I said, there was enough demand there to be able to do better than they did in October, very positive. So the story is around employment again. 
And you know, all roads lead to employment. We've been saying now for two or three months, we went from an eight to one hire to fire ratio to a two to one hire to fire ratio. But in September and October, those, those of the three companies, the one that wasn't hiring was it tritting down or freezing. So they saw warning signs on the horizon, primarily 2023, not 2022. If it was 2022, they would have laid off right away. So the way they were decided to get to a lower headcount was, if I got three people quitting on me, I'm going to replace them with two. Or let's just put a hiring freeze in place right now. Probably meaning that you can replace people who quit, but don't expand. The month of November was different. We had 40% of the total fire comments were actually layoff comments. And in the month of October and September, it was near zero. Think low single digits. So now all of a sudden, companies are acting to reduce their headcount. Now, your, your first blush is that's not a good thing. We've all worked really hard to hire these people. You know, we begged, borrowed, stolen, whatever we could do, throw money at them, bonuses, don't leave. Usually the conversation didn't really look at how good are you at doing your job? Do, do you know how to do this? I don't care. Just show up. And that's been the way of life for a couple of years now, right? So, and you sure know what is. happens. You get all these people in, you're now looking at, well, maybe I got more than I need. Well, I know I didn't really do a great job in making sure I hired the best. So th these are good things. It's a self-cleaning moment. It's, it's okay. You hired 20, let's say that two or three of them aren't going to perform. They're not performing. Some of them didn't show up to work on Thursday, never gave you a reason, mental health, you know, whatever it was, they just didn't come in. So now it's time to kind of clean it up. You know, we've been sitting here in a mode where all the employees have had all the power. I mean, hey, I'm just going to show up for four days. I know you want me for five, but I'm only coming for four. And you said, please, please, please. Well, that's all changing again. This is the way it kind of works. So, hey, if you want a job, you show up for five days. You understand what you got to do. I don't want you hanging around. I don't want you texting all day. I want you working. And so we're now into that mode where with margins being compressed, with you know revenues, we're not able to push through price increases as easily as we were in the past. We had a lot of comments coming from panelists stating that, that they're actively going after price growth from their suppliers and they're actually getting pushback from their customers about accepting additional prices, primarily around that commodity market because, you know, Steel was what, 1600 bucks, almost 1800 bucks a ton a year and a half ago. It's now 650. So, you know, you have that inventory effect that impacts you and you've got to come in to inventory come out. But uh, yeah, we're, we're the whole thing. So we got buyer and seller power shifts that are bringing people back to the table to negotiate reasonable contracts for 2023. And you got employer employee power shifts because the demand dynamic has changed. And, and I think it's all a natural thing. It's all very healthy and it's all good. And we're probably sitting here now in about a three month period of that happening. Well, that, that's uh, interesting. Lou's got some background noise, so he may want to mute while I'm done. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone plays with their, uh, their dogs up here on Cape Cod. Well, I thought yeah. it might be a lobster bake or something. <laughs> <laughs> Too early in the morning. <laughs> so, Tim, where are things headed? I mean, we've been talking about, you know, recession, recession, recession forever. Um, this looks like it's uh, kind of cooling off in manufacturing. And as we know, 
manufacturing leads us into and leads us out of every recession we've ever had. Is this softening of deep concern or are we less concerned? Well, you know, it's not unexpected. You know, we saw it coming. There were clear signs, you know, six, seven months ago that things were softening. Uh, they first showed up in our chemical product sector, which supports all the other 17 sectors. It's a foundation industry sector that it's six, seven uh, tiers down in the bill of material. So it showed up there first. Uh, you know, 49 is not bad. We've had six manufacturing expansion cycles in 20 years, supporting three economic recessions of different degrees. You know, uh, many of us remember the post 9-11 recession. It was, it felt serious at the time. It was nowhere near as bad as the Great Recession, which was, you know, really concerning for pretty much everybody with liquidity kind of disappearing and banks failing. That was a serious, serious recession, almost called the Great Depression. They just put the R before the D. Okay, <laughs> thank God it was just that. And then, you know, this, this recession that we had post-pandemic, was you know, really quick. It was only what, three, four months. And you, you knew it happened because everybody got laid off. Everybody went home. It clearly was a recession, but it didn't last very long. This one here, I mean, there's no doubt we've got to get a handle on inflation. Inflation defined as really wages. And you know, I've, I've been asked by several people about, do you, you, know, do you think pricing is gonna come back down? We had the whole, the whole inflation thing started with supply chain stress. So as supply chains de-stress, will inflation come down? And I think the answer to that is in the commodity market, yeah, it absolutely will. I never thought it would come back to where we were, but you've seen it in oil. I mean, $50, $60 a barrel of oil. We saw that not that long ago. And you know, you can go back 15 years, $50, $60 a barrel of oil. I mean, at one point that was really high, but okay, they tend to shift over time, but you know, steel at 640 is pretty good. So Commodity-driven markets will drive themselves based on the market demands, the fundamentals. And the only thing you can do is take out capacity to support pricing structures or hope for demand to come back, which can get you, elevate your pricing levels. Then you've got the products that have high commodity content, low labor content, you know, generally low gross margin stuff, where let's say 60% material, you know, 20% labor, the rest is overhead. They're, they have the ability to come down to flexing with the commodity market because such a big piece of it is commodity. The issue is really around high value added content where you have high gross margins, say, you know, think 35, 45%, high R&D expenses, high labor expenses. Those things don't go away overnight. The only way those wages come down is through layoffs or freezes and or furloughs or, you know, all of those above. They don't just, you know, they don't just happen normally. So, you know, I think this whole inflation, that's that's my analysis on this. There's three different types of costs here. And, you know, the first one definitely is, we're actually there now. The second one will probably show up over the next six months because it takes time to work its way through inventory. The third one is much harder and that's going to require, you know, an unemployment level of probably five and a half, six percent. And, we're, you know, we're nowhere near that yet. Uh, two two points, uh, which is a little bit off, uh, off our conversation here. One is the uh, pending or possible railroad strike. You know, the four unions who are making a big stink out of the 10. And, uh, you know, what kind of effect is that going to have? And I do know that there are 
special government laws that can prevent the railroad from actually going on strike. But, you know, people are people today and they can say, you know, well, the hell with that, we're going on strike. Uh, where, where are you on that? How do you, how do you feel about that? Well, I think it'll get resolved. I mean, right. you, you got to figure they're arguing over pennies here in the big scheme of things. It's more, right. it's, it's more emotional. And I, you know, they want an extra day or two off and they probably already get three or four weeks, maybe five. Right. Right. Okay. What's another day or it's more emotional. So, and you know, and the railroads have made a ton of money over the last two or three years. They're not sitting in the best of positions. The only thing they can say is, well, demand softening. So the future doesn't look so good. Well, so what? Take care of the yeah. work. And the, you know, the fact that the president had to punt to the, to the Congress is shocking to me, but okay. I guess, I guess that was politically expedient, whatever, but no, I don't see the strike. Do you, do you think a strike's coming? Well, uh, I was just handed a, a, a note, House approves tentative labor deal to avoid rail strike sent to the Senate. This, yeah, just, nice? came in, this just came in recently. They approved it. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. So, so that ends that topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think your point, though, is I mean, will, the, will, the, uh, will, the, will the engineers and stuff go ahead and come to work? I mean. I guess there'll, there'll be it'll be a wildcat strike if they don't. I guess I don't know. Work it out for Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and then the, the the other point, of course, is the uh, uh, the machine tool uh, index, which again has uh, gone up, which is an indicator for. Uh, manufacturing down the road for six months. Uh, so if there is a uh, recession or a minor one, it, it's going to be very short-lived. I, I would agree with that. I, I would agree. So, but I, I think the big indicator here is significant headcount reductions driving the unemployment rate up above 5%. And that, I, I, you know, the only way you do that is by killing demand. And the question is, do you kill it for three months or do you kill it for nine months or do you kill it for two years? And that's that's like the fine, fine dance that has to occur. And, you know, there's such a lag effect in all of this stuff. And to be able to, is it realistic to even think that you can plan for that? I don't know. Well, all you could do is really cross your fingers and hope for the best, really. Yeah, I think that's kind of right. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of talk here about don't overshoot. And okay, I think Chairman Powell indicated yesterday that, you know, maybe we'll just do a half a point in December, probably prudent. There's no sense in overdoing it. Uh, he's not really underdoing it. The way he underdoes it is by reducing the rates. So he's still climbing the rates, which is probably appropriate. And, you know, if you look at the PMI information, it's our first sign of layoffs. And, and we lead everything. You know, we lead the general economy and, you know, we're, we're six to nine months ahead of a general recession. So, so here we are, we're contracting in December, kind of indicates that May, June, you know, you might see a recession. We're what, eight months into an inverted yield curve. That's another nine months to a year to a recession, which would kind of indicate Q2. Uh, the question is, is a recession going to be bad at this point? I don't know why it would be. I mean, Anytime you're you're laying off five or eight million people, it's not good, but it's not like what we saw with the massive send everybody home at the pandemic, or you know what we saw with the Great Recession when 
we didn't even know if the banking system would survive. So I, I don't see this as being in anywhere near in that same that same kind of category. And the only way that it would end up there is by an absolute overreaction on the Fed part, which would sock everything down so bad for so long that we'd have trouble climbing out. And I don't see, there's no signals that that is happening uh, at the Federal Reserve. And I'd also like to mention to our audience that when you listen to mainstream media later today, and they say the sky is falling, don't buy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I agree. I mean, just, just look, there's 10.4 million open jobs or something at the end of right. October, I think. Right, it's still right. two to one. It's down from 11.5. That, that's consistent with what we've been saying on the manufacturing side. So, but it's not five. It's not one for one. And I, there's another, and now there's questions about all those numbers. Are they really precision enough? We, you know, we learned this during the pandemic. Things happen so quickly. Even with the monthly numbers that we collect in the prior four weeks, they weren't able to keep up. There was things happening in the last week that were so clearly different from the numbers that came in. We had to go through a couple of months here on the on the the way down and the way up for it to be shown in our numbers. I mean, numbers are difficult, especially when you're collecting them from everywhere. Over over a period of time, they absolutely make sense. In the PMI, that was the case. But I can remember back in it was probably April. You know, we were still sitting with a PMI in the high 40s or something when everybody was home. It's like, and you know, and the other thing was like the supplier delivery number was 60. It's well, who cares what it is? Nobody wants anything. So who, <laughs> who cares if it's 60? You know? uh, yeah. Tim, one of the things I'm interested in in this particular report, and I encourage people to go to ismworld.org so they can really drill into it is what are the sectors that are performing well and in particular, how is automotive doing because of the chip shortage that's gone on since the pandemic? So <clears throat> chips are still coming up at the same rate of comments that they have been for the last nine months, the headline comments and supply chain comments. It hasn't gone away, but it's definitely gotten better. But the, you know, the war is definitely not won. So, you know, I follow the top six industry sectors, uh, point of information for you. We are sitting with 67% of manufacturing GDP is in contraction, up from 27% in October, in September, I'm sorry. And there was a midpoint there, I think it was 45 or something in, in October. So, you know, we're making our way. 67% of manufacturing GDP is in contraction. Now, the big six that I follow there's only two that are not contracting. And as I mentioned earlier, it's petroleum and coal products and transportation equipment. All the rest are contracting. The, the one that's contracting the worst is really chemicals. And it has been for, for five months, four or five months. Computers is down, food and beverage is down, You know, think 49, similar to the PMI number. So I wouldn't call that really bad. And you know, if those numbers were in the 43s, I'd be much more concerned. But when you got your top six industry sectors making up 70% of manufacturing GDP, still performing relatively well, in spite of all the headwinds, you know, the overordering, the excessive pricing, the now the unwillingness of customers to really take price increases, the long lead times, the, you know, the interest rates going up, there's no support from the international markets. It's, a, it's, it's pretty commendable. To, to your point that you've made in the past, 
when the ISM number is 49 to 50, it's really still 50. It's, it's just that you don't really know for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what's the big, what's the difference between 49.9 and 50.1? Uh, zero. <laughs> Maybe one of our thousands of panelists saying, no, it was the same or no, it was lower. Right. <laughs> you right. know, it's maybe one comment. Because, you know, remember, if you say it's lower, then it counts for nothing. If you say it's the same, it's a half a point. If you say it's up, it's a point. So if you really get down to it, that's about it. So that's why, you know, 48 to 52. Hey, I'm okay with that, given, given where we're at. I'm disappointed we didn't hit our average 34-month expansion cycle. This one was only 29, I think it was, 28, 29. Yeah. Okay, but we spent so much time over 60, I guess we kind of burned ourselves out. And I I think, you know, if the Fed hadn't stepped in in March, uh, it would be different. But, I mean, the Fed wouldn't have had to step in in March if it didn't have very significant uh, price increases across the board that everybody took because you didn't have a choice. But now we all have choices. And, you know, we've got that normal buyer-seller relationship coming back into play. We got... There's clear indications in the comments that sellers are coming back in with reduced lead times, more reasonable prices. Their order books are kind of dissipating away after seven months of new order placements being reduced. So, you know, it, it, it gets it back to a normal business environment, which is where we want to be. So, Tim, as we wrap up this segment, I just want you to remind our audience when the semi-annual comes out that's always a interesting conversation with you and anthony Nieves. right so it's the first of the month i think we're releasing on the 7th or the 10th it's in the next two weeks okay. and i'm really anxious to see the data because we're going to have all the supply managers tell us what they expect for prices in 23 what they think prices did in 22 what they expect for employment levels margin business comparison, the outlook, revenue growth for 2023, as well as what they think they actually did for 2022. We're going to be talking about CapEx investments, production capacity, you know, all really good stuff. Uh, it's a very comprehensive forecast. Uh, we do it twice a year. We do beginning, you know, end of the year for the, for the next year. We take a look back to, and then in May we do an update. So, uh, so it's time. I think it's, it's going to be really enlightening. I think it's going to, it's going to help guide us because it's very unclear now and it, and I, the, the problem is is that the panelists who are going to fill this thing out it's probably unclear to them too because you know we've, we've all tried to set business plans for 2023 and we're not really sure what the future looks like i mean I, I think i can sit here and based on what i've seen i don't see the fed being accommodative in 2023 but i don't see him being super restrictive so okay let's let normal supply and demand kind of take its course but, you know, international markets are not going to help us. Cost of debt's not going to help us. We know that. So it's going to be really interesting. So we're going to see a boom or a bust. <laughs> yeah, or a stagnation. Ah, now there you go. I didn't mm. count on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could, be, we could be in a period here of pretty much 50, 48 to 52, all the way through the first half. I mean, there's been a lot of debate about when is the recession showing up? Second half, first half, second quarter, 
I don't know. We, we ask those questions about price growth and sales projections, first half, second half. We'll see what the community says. It was it was kind of clear this year that we thought that second half of 22 would be better than the, the first half of 22. And I think that's exactly what happened. I think from an output standpoint, it happened because supply chains got relieved somewhat. We were able to convert material and labor into sellable product. And I think that happened in the second half. I think we performed much better in the second half than we did in the first half. And we also predicted that prices would grow in the first half and stabilize in the second half. And I think that's exactly what happened. I think we've had, we stabilized in the summer and we're now seeing prices come down. So we did, here's for your listeners, we did predict that we would see an 11.4% rise in prices through May of 2022. And by December 22, we'd seen 11.1. Now in that forecast, we've asked them, what did you see in all of 2022? It's going to be interesting whether it's 11.1, whether it's 13.1. But, you know, we've had definitely we've had help here in the commodity markets in the last three months, which is even if it hit 15 in the summertime, it's probably coming down. But, you know, that, that forecast is going to be really interesting. We'll, you know, we'll spend the time with your listeners to walk through it. We look forward to the uh, uh, to that meeting. So, uh, you have a good holiday. Uh, have a good end of the year, as we all hope hope for. And uh, Tim, it's good seeing you all dressed up in your nifty yellow and black and gold tie. Me, of course, I'm up on the Cape, so my yellow and black is a little different format. Um, Next month, I'll be uh, also away. I'll be in Florida. So I'll have to take my yellow shirt and black t-shirt and do this again. Guys, right. it's great as usual. Yeah, thanks everybody. Appreciate it. We'll see you on the uh, on the forecast update. You bet. You bet. Great. Look forward to it. Thanks everybody. Just want to remind our listeners to go to ismworld.org to check out this report. You can visit us at jacketmediaco.com. And very soon, you're going to begin hearing us on terrestrial radio, AM channel. We're expanding that reach. So keep stay tuned, and we'll put a notice up on Jack and Media Co. where you can find us on AM. Thanks for listening. Take care, Tim. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lou. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.